Hello everyone, welcome to A Reason for Hope once again. We're glad you're joining us wherever you are around the world on whatever platform you found us on. A Reason for Hope is a live broadcast dedicated to your questions on the Bible. You can send in questions you have on Scripture. It could be a verse or passage of Scripture you'd like explained. It could be something maybe you're going through in your life. You're trying to make a decision that would honor the Lord, but not too sure how to do that. We can help you with the help of Scripture and the Bible today. Um, maybe even other worldviews and religions, how they relate to Christianity, some of pra religious practices and things of that nature. Any question you have along those lines, as long as you know that we are going to use the Bible to find the answers to those. And as long as they're honest and sincere questions, we appreciate uh, that. My name is Dave Robson. I'm your host today. I'll be with you on all those platforms. In just a moment, I'll be going over those different ways that you can join us. And with us today, we have Pastor Bo Willette. He's the assistant pastor here at Calvary <laughs> Christian Fellowship. I heard my <laughs> Wake name. Wake up. <laughs> yeah. Hello? I heard my name. Yes. How are you doing today? It's Tuesday. You're here. It's Tuesday. Yeah. It's Tuesday. Thanks so. for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, it's thanks good for to be here. this time. We're looking forward to your takes. Not your takes, but uh, your sharing with us the answers. And Bo is also um, founder of uh, Running Light Ministries, yep. which is uh, based a lot around um, uh, struggles in sexuality, Christianity, sexuality. Um, you have support groups along those lines and things like yep. that. So maybe you have a question like that along those lines, something that doesn't get talked about a lot. But um, Bo's here today, so we'll throw those at him. Also with us, Pastor Sean Richards as well. How are you doing today? Doing all right? Yeah, the uh, weather right now is really weird. We have what's called El Nino, or the boy in Spanish, but it's describing the time and season where we get more rain through winter than we did in summer, mm. or at least that we're supposed to get through summer. And it's messing with all of our allergies, like yeah. no tomorrow. So <laughs> we'll see if this ginger ale takes, but... yeah. <laughs> Other than that, <laughs> we're we're a frail bunch. We're always sniffling and something. It's like we're uh, it's like you know we you, you measure weather by the way we feel. You know? like, oh, you yeah. got a plug nose. Oh, the storm's coming. Yeah, yeah, almost like uh, the groundhog or something. Yeah. you know, if there's going to be more days of winter, if me and Sean are sniffling, then yeah, you know that the atmosphere's changing. <laughs> something like that. Well, thank you both for being here once again, being faithful to. Uh, this ministry. As I mentioned, A Reason for Hope is a live broadcaster with you Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time here in Tucson, Arizona. Of course, you can join us wherever you are all around the world through the wonders of the Internet. It's an outreach and ministry of Calvary Christian Fellowship here in Tucson. So if you are looking for somewhere to worship and get in the Word, uh, we're right by Prince and I-10 on the west side of the freeway in the business park right there. Pretty convenient location. We're a Calvary Chapel church, uh, which you'll find, I think, pretty much 100% of the time. Teach the Word, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. That's kind of a distinctive of Calvary chapels. We like to give you the whole counsel of, of God. Um, so if you are looking for somewhere to grow in the Word and to worship and go to church, basically, Calvary Christian Fellowship, you're more than welcome to come and check us out. Um, you can get more information. CalvaryChristianFellowship.com is our website. We're streaming live there as well. If you click on that Watch Live tab, that will take you to our live page. Or just type in ccftucson.online.church into your browser. That will take you to that same place. Uh, when we're offline, you'll see a countdown to our next event. You'll see a schedule of upcoming events as well. But we're online uh, live right now, so you'll see the video. You can sign in with a username and uh, send your question in through there. Um, through that chat function, I'll be right there with you. We're on Facebook as well. Uh, we had some technical issues recently with Facebook, but so far throughout the last week, and I'm hoping today, 
those have been resolved um so we should be up and running again on facebook facebook.com slash ccf tucson or just search for calvary christian fellowship at tucson we'd appreciate if you would uh, you know like and share and um subscribe and all that stuff um i guess subscribe is more of a youtube thing but you know do the facebook things and also send your question in through the chat box that's attached to the video there uh get them in early we'd love to get to your questions today uh, we have an app as well for your mobile device if you look for calvary christian fellowship but do so in your app store you can watch us on your mobile device and we have a channel on roku as well on apple tv go to your channel store and add us as a channel if you have those devices and you can watch us on on your big screen uh, we're on YouTube live there as well. Reason for Hope is the name of the channel. So look for a Reason for Hope on YouTube and we're live there. Once again, send your question in through the, the chat box. Um, if you missed the show, that live tab, anytime we've been live, it will archive there for you. So you can catch up on a show you missed or if you want to recap a question. Pastor Scott, who's not with us today, but he's been doing um, uh, just updates on what's going on in Israel. Really just informative uh, things from a biblical perspective in time. So pretty much any show over the last week uh, i believe last monday especially was just a, a really good update last night as well uh, we did some questions on end times kind of the uh the sequence of end times what to, to expect here moving forward which is really interesting as christians we want to be aware of that it uh, gives us a uh, great hope and calls for prayer so uh so anyway you might want to recap on some of those as well but uh, we stream our services there uh, as well if you want to check those out at Calvary Christian Fellowship here so a reason for hope on YouTube again like and share subscribe uh, click on the notification bell if you want to get notified when we're live and all that good stuff Pastor Scott's on Twitter Scott R4H if you're on Twitter Scott letter R number four letter H he posts quite a lot I think every day um, commentary on world events and uh, responding to news things and uh, things as it uh, relates to biblical prophecy and some funny things and all that kind of stuff so Twittery things if you're on Twitter, Scott R4H. We're on the Rumble platform as well, not live, but we post videos there. A reason for hope, barbecue and A. And then our email address is questionsforhope at gmail.com. Questions for hope spelled out at gmail.com. Uh, if you would like to send us a question to that email address, we'll get those there as well. If you're listening on the radio, we're so glad that you're joining us and listening in. Drive safe if you're on your drive time. Keep in mind that you're listening to the last show that we did pre recorded. We are not live with you on the radio, but there's other platforms. We are live as can be, so anything can happen. Uh, <laughs> no pressure over here. But use that email address, questionsforhope at gmail.com, and we'll get to that on our next show. So once again, any question you have, Bible-based question, first passage of Scripture, what does the Bible say about this, that, and the other, lifestyles, life and death, the universe, everything, any question that you have, as long as it's an honest question, a sincere question, and as long as you know, we're going to answer with the word as accurately as we possibly can. That's what we're all about. So please send your questions in. We'd love to parcel out the time to uh, answer those today. So with all that being said, boys, why don't we pray? Yep. Ask the Lord to bless our time and to speak, help us navigate his word and all that good stuff. Bo, would you like to, to pray for yep, us? Tuesday, yeah, my Tuesday, prayer day. pray. Yeah, hope you're ready. <laughs> yeah, let's pray. <laughs> Father, we thank you so much for our time together today. We pray that... Our words would be grace seasoned with salt and that your grace would abound through us uh, into the lives of other people and those that uh, are listening. And uh, Father, we ask that your word would uh, go forth in power. Uh, Father, that you would uh, use us. Uh, help us, Father, to uh, um, understand your word uh, greater, better, mm. 
Uh, and Father, we pray you uh, receive all the glory uh, for what goes on in the show today. In Jesus' name, yeah. amen. 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 Well, we had a question coming through uh, our email address, questionsforhope at gmail.com, as I mentioned from CC, Crystallized Coyote. Um, he goes by CC, but he asks, uh, biblically speaking, is it uh, truly possible for someone to see a person's spirit leave his or her body when he or she dies and to see that person's spirit fly away to heaven? Does God allow people to see certain things like that so people are comforted? Or is that going beyond what the word says? And I guess we could even add like ghosts. You know, is there such thing as ghosts? People have reported seeing ghostly things. I used to work in a nursing home, which of course there was a lot of death. And some of the staff reported seeing ghosts move from one room to the other and there was no one down there and those kind of things. So I don't know, does the Bible talk about that? Can we well, I see? Mean, compared to the sleep hours they probably gave the staff, that might be another explanation for it. <laughs> now, um, <laughs> when true. we're talking about the near-death experiences and the documented phenomena that people have all but verified as far as this person did not have access to this information, uh, you know, right. uh, out-of-body experiences, seeing things on the roof of a building they had never traveled to, witnessing car accidents down the street while they were under anesthesia and so forth. Uh, all these things can be verified as noting that there is in fact a consciousness, a quote-unquote soul that can exist and be aware of an environment outside of a physical body. So if we're defining ghosts like that, then the question is, is there a state in which, you know, they're trapped in a location or if they're uh, put in these kind of situations. There was, and this was later verified to be bogus, but there was a study that was done where it reported that as someone was physically dying, that their body weight dramatically and immediately dropped by a few ounces as their last breath left their body. And they mm. noted temperature changes in the room and all that stuff. Uh, turns out uh, the well, I'll, I'll, I'll just say it, the gas leaving his body wasn't his soul, I'll just leave it at that. But when we're talking about the lingering soul, the idea that there's hauntings, that the consciousnesses of people are still here on this earth, and putting them in that sort of position and saying that, oh, well, the afterlife's kind of nebulous then, isn't it? That's when you end up going too far. There's nothing that would speak against the idea of, as the uh, Miracle Max individual in Princess Bride said, if you're mostly dead and God can allow you to witness things that are still in this world, that I don't think goes against anything biblically. But when it comes to the idea of disembodied spirits lingering, there's only two options that would be allowed for us given a biblical worldview. Now, the first is obviously that these are adversarial spirits, what we call demons, that are trying to promote false doctrine, like, for instance, the idea that ghosts linger, that the afterlife is kind of just up, <coughs> up in the air, and that there is no actual accountability after death, or at least no Christian accountability where to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. It is given to man once to die, and then after that comes the judgment. So it would be all four demonic doctrine, literally the doctrines of demons, the workings of the enemy, it's all centered around that in false doctrine, promoting and distorting the idea of the afterlife by taking on a personage or 
to the limited degree that they're allowed to give someone the impression that people are still lingering when their interactions with them are, if anything else, neutral, if not hostile. So make sure that when we understand someone interacting with quote unquote ghosts, I don't dismiss them all out of hand, mm. but if they can be verified as a legitimate encounter, and I've had conversations even with pagans who have had quote-unquote interactions with these sort of spirit beings, I would credit that more to something demonic than something that's human and lingering here, because it would conflict with what we already know, and I'll talk about why in a second. The second option is that when we're and I mentioned it humorously here with Dave, but when we're perceiving the world around us, there can be uh, tricks that we play on ourselves, yeah. whether it's suggestion, whether it's an emotional investment or desire, whether it's sleep deprivation or the like. The fact that someone has seen something is no more conclusive than someone has heard something or someone has smelled something or someone has touched something because we can, in fact, be deceived. So the question is, if we're deceiving ourselves, we're being deceived by someone else, or we're being shown the truth and then can verify it. And that's what ultimately comes down to why we would, as Christians, come to the conclusions we do about the afterlife, because we know the guy who went there and went there intentionally to show he was in charge of the whole operation. If Jesus has risen, and that's our claim as Christians, then he's speaking from a position of authority, not speculation, but revelation on the nature of the afterlife. The only documented instance of someone who has physically died returning in a spiritual form to this world and communicating, and it legitimately was them, communicating to someone who is a part of the living was the prophet Samuel, and that was in the context of judgment on King Saul, so not a positive. And we're also making a note that was very much the exception to the rule. Secondly, if we take a step back and ask ourselves, well, I can be tricked, I can be misled, I want to make sure I know the reasons why I have to believe this is true. You encounter someone or something in a fleeting glance, you, you know, hear of some bizarre uh, encounter or even, you know, the temperature drops and stuff and the, what is it, the um, night vision has to get turned on on the camera and the, all the people are like, hey demons, it's me, your boy, all that kind of stuff. More often than not, I'd be willing to say they're staging something for clicks, but even then, don't dismiss out of hand, but know the reasons you have to trust something already. That would be my go-to on ghosts. Now, again, we do acknowledge that these encounters can be legitimate, they can be fraudulent, we need to take them on a case-by-case -case basis, but there are, and I'm repeating this just so it's understood and remembered, there are reasons to believe that when our loved ones pass on, that they're not coming back. They're either returning bodily with the Lord, or we're encountering something that isn't them, and therefore yeah. should be avoided quite directly and immediately. Right. That's the point. The workings of the demonic is in false doctrine, and nothing would tickle their little, you know, <laughs> imp claws more than the <laughs> idea of us questioning whether or not there is any accountability in the afterlife that we're just kind of hanging around until we mm. dissipate into nothing. That's a Christmas carol, which, by the way, did involve final judgment and moral accountability, I'll just put out there, not 
the actual biblical accounts, not the historical account of the afterlife that we can verify with over 500 documented and sincere eyewitnesses to boot. So one person says, I saw a ghost. Two people say, we felt something weird. A study that was shown later to be fraudulent says this person lost weight the moment that they died. Someone who's, you know, working at the hospital was already tired enough already or the, you know, nursing home and stuff. Yep. Test that. Mm. That's always your go-to. Test it. Not just with what you already know, but even with what you have. Because more often than not, uh, other things might be involved. Yeah. Very good. Any thoughts on that? I was just looking at all these fun little things. I just want (laughs) to... The tabs? (laughs) Yeah. It's like I hate to be so kind of... Non sequitur. Yeah, (laughs) totally. (laughs) For those listening at home, uh, I got tabs in my Bible because this is the one I use for outreach. I color coordinate them in case the topic comes up. And it is a temptation. You want to reach over there and just... Yeah. play with those little things yeah. they're so cool and we are disgusted how disorganized your bible is by with like barely any tabs at all barely any tabs how that's dare right. you come to this place yes. that is a bookmark and you can only read one thing at a time that's right <laughs> commendation yep so on that question i um you know when you when i first um thought of the bible um as a teenager i used i thought that if i when i opened up the bible it was going to be filled with all kinds of ghosts and kind of interesting you know weird spiritual things you know spiritual warfare and things like that yeah you know then you know whatever i just that's where my mind went is like Mm. oh it's probably going to be a bunch of ghosts and interesting spiritual stuff i was actually surprised the bible was um, so uh rooted in kind of uh the here and now um it gave us these glimpses of uh, of a spiritual world, a spiritual dimension, if you will, yep. but to very much uh, a narrative. Uh, the Bible is that is a narrative of uh, in, in history, hmm. um, and so you know when the questions asked about these things, you know it's really it, it's really tough to find a passage where you see someone like come back from the dead or something is some kind of ghost figure. The only one I could kind of muster up is maybe Saul and the witch of Endor Mm. in uh, 1 Samuel 28, um, which you might want to read if you've never read that. It's very interesting. Um, But but, but that is a very exceptional uh, uh, exception to the rule. Um, You see in the Bible, in the book of Hebrews chapter 9, I think it's verse 27, but it says, you know, man is mankind is destined to live once, mm-hmm. die, and then the judgment. Right. And so you really don't get this idea of kind of, uh, you know, these bodies that are in this kind of way station. You know, I, I think of movies that you've seen yeah. where, you know, like some people go to heaven, some people go to hell, mm-hmm. and then some people are kind of stuck in this room. Yeah. Like you a know. movie Ghost or yeah. one of those, yeah. And they're kind of, you know, they got to kind of do something before they enter into the place, right. you know. Uh, um, and and there's a whole thought on that, you know, yeah. this disembodied spirit thing. So, uh, but it's just, uh, there's not uh, a lot of that in the Bible. So it's, uh, it leaves a lot for conjecture and speculation to which I, I can understand why Sean would say, you got to take everything on a case by case basis yeah. and see if it's really rooted in some kind of doctrinal truth. Right. 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 Yeah, uh. absolutely. Cece, thanks. Thanks for that question. I'm glad you're, you're joining us as well to hear the answer to that question from how would you how would you pronounce this name? I struggle when a name begins with X. Can you see that, Sean? Zephola? 
Say again? Zafola. Zafola. That sounds about right. Yeah, thank you. Mm. <laughs> Starts with an X, and I was like, I'm not, I don't remember how to. <laughs> Xifola? Yeah. Uh, Zifola, yeah. Uh, why does. Why does the Bible say we are Elohim? Does it say that? Uh, and can we speak things into existence? I've seen it happen before. My mom prophesied you will have another baby to a family member, and it came to pass. Then she said, see, I was right. <clears throat> so I know in, in the world there's this whole speaking into the universe thing, which I think even um, Oprah popularized as well. You've got you to speak it to the universe. But even amongst uh, Christians, there is speaking and claiming things and making those happen. So is there any truth to that, speaking things into existence? And also, does the Bible say we are Elohim? I know that doesn't just refer to God in the Bible, right? It can speak about kings and other gods and things like that. Are yeah, we I'll, gods? I'll get the passage. Uh, first of all, all respect due to your false prophet, but when it comes to the claim that, oh, see, this happened and therefore I was right, therefore that confirms every single doctrine that I've made or claimed contrary to Scripture. When it comes down to someone, quote-unquote, making a prediction of the future or performing a sign and a wonder, uh, again, uh, we'll have future questions noting our brother Adrian Van Vactor, who will be coming back from Egypt this week. Pray that the trip's less taxing in the return than it yes. was on the arrival. But when it comes to the idea that people can either stack the deck in their favor or call out something nebulous enough that one way or another it would have happened or it could have come true and then they can swoop in and take credit for it both are addressed by the way as the behavior of false prophets in the book of deuteronomy where one of two things is going to happen either they're going to perform a sign and a wonder but they're going to say let us go after other gods in this case ourselves recognize ourselves as gods apart from the true and living god well they're not to be listened to because not the sign or wonder was illegitimate, but why? To see if the Lord, your God, is the one that you love, follow, and cherish. Don't go after false teachers, even if it's members of your own household. The second instance is if they make a prediction that's false, then obviously that'd be contrary to the nature of God. But working with this <coughs> example, someone made a prediction and it came to pass. It would be more impressive if, and this is the case of someone who's trying to have kids and says you're going to have a kid well there's other activities involved in that that are consciously pursuing that effort if you and your wife ceased from that activity and you still had a kid then i'd say that there was something else going on here but the problem is it's just as much a prediction or prophecy of me saying you know in late summer in arizona it will rain and then monsoon season comes like it eventually will and i say see i'm a prophet of god making a true prediction isn't a validation of false doctrine yeah and let me say this too is that in in the new testament in the book of first corinthians uh chapter 14 um, and I, I want to read this because I, I just want this to uh, hopefully be clear. Um, we're using the term prophet, and and this is kind of, uh, I think, a little bit of a distinction that, uh, a, a nuance that gets confused. In chapter 14, when it's talking about gifts of prophecy and the gift of tongues, it says, uh, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Okay, great. We're talking about prophecy a little bit right now. For anyone uh, who speaks to 
for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Indeed, no one understands him and he utters mysteries with the Spirit. But everyone who prophesies speak to humans for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. So there's a description of the prophetic gift in the New Testament. And this is great because if someone says, hey, I'm prophesying, we have to go, okay, what does the New Testament say about this, this gift of prophecy? Mm-hmm. Well, in, I just read it, that anybody who prophesies speaks to humans for three things, strengthening or encouragement, edification, and comfort, those three things. And so if those three things are not happening, we have to go, it is not the gift of prophecy. Hmm. It could be a different gift. Like, for instance, you someone could have, like, the New Testament speaks of a word of knowledge. Maybe someone has a word of knowledge on something, and it's a supernatural thing that ha- comes upon someone in a specific time, and it's for, of course, the edification of the body of Christ, because this is why we have the gifts. It's for the edification of the church. And so, all the gifts are there to edify one another in the body of Christ because this is where we see the manifold grace of God. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 talks about the manifold grace of God, meaning God's gifts, his gracious character is seen in the body of Christ through the gifts that he gives to one another. And as we share those gifts, we go, wow, God is awesome. Mm. We get edified. We get encouraged, we get comforted by the different gifts, but the prophetic gift is very specific to those three. Mm. That every time someone prophesies, if it's not accompanied by those three, we can't really call it a prophecy. Mm. So I, I would be really leery when someone says, hey, you know, someone prophesied or this kind of thing. Um, I think what what we're really meaning is that someone had a word of knowledge on something. And, and that could be true. I'm not going to, I would not sit here and say, oh, they didn't have a word of knowledge. I don't know. You know, I right. wasn't there. I didn't hear it. Yeah. But do, is that, that a spiritual gift in the New Testament? Absolutely it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think we have to be careful. Some people, Sean, as you know, in, in today's uh, church age, and the Bible speaks of our time as the Uh, a specific age in relation to other ages of the Bible. But this church age, um, some people have used the word prophet to almost be like a a prophet of Israel. Like, I'm a prophet. Like, Israel was a prophet to the nation, or Ezekiel was a prophet to the nation, etc., etc. It was like a position, like an office... Right. Yeah, well, it, and, and that was for Israel for a specific reason. Right. Uh, Israel had rejected the Lord as king, mm. and um, so they wanted a king. And God raised up prophets to actually um, correct the false uh, notions that the kings of Israel had. Um, to be a prophet in Israel was was uh, an a, 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 an amazing calling. I mean, it was uh, uh, one of sure your life was on the line. You know, um, the kind of uh, voice that they had in the nation uh, were and to the political uh, part of the nation uh, was very um, 
hard to hear. Uh, a lot of people did not want to listen to the prophets. Um, and, and God tells the prophets that you're not going to be liked and you're not going to be listened to. And, and, um, but, it, but you have to understand, God raised up prophets because Israel uh, politically had gone astray. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, so some people kind of use that and go, well, I'm a prophet. You know, but in the New Testament, you don't see a political national party you know, uh, being raised up. Uh, people wanted Jesus to be that. They wanted him to be a political leader. Right. But this is not his first coming, why he was coming uh, the first time. Yeah. And so th- in the church, you don't see this political uh, um, organization. Yeah. And this is why Jesus said we shouldn't serve, we shouldn't look at each other in this kind of political way mm. as the, uh, the nations do. You know, we should serve. The greatest should be the servant of them all. That's not how the political system works. The greatest is the servant of them all. But that's how the church age should function. And so if someone says, I'm a prophet, and they're, you know, well, the problem is, is what, where, you know, where are you going? Like, what political, you know, like, you know, back then, Israel was the nation to whom the prophets were given. Hmm. Um, so we're, we, I hope people are seeing that, that in the New Testament, we don't have an equivalent. Right. You know, we don't have a political church. Yep. Um, and if we do, um, then we're probably going in a really bad direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the word prophet means something. It means a spokesman, one who speaks in behalf of another, in the case of the Old Covenant God. If we have the gift of prophecy, we're doing the same thing, but as the Holy Spirit equips us, it's going to be recognized and tested in that way. Now, when it comes to the word God, and we say we're gods, we're Elohim, likewise that word means something. So when people say, oh, well, you know, uh, we're, we're going to be God someday, we'll be like Jesus, and Jesus was God, so we'll be like God. Well, thank you, Lucifer, but I want to stick to the text. Also note, when people will isolate concepts and try to dance around uh, what we call equivocation, using words with multiple meanings and try to mean them in both ways when they're being used differently. The same is w- true for the word El, literally the generic word for God in Hebrew. Elohim is a reference to the plural, three or more. And whenever God refers to himself, or just the broad category of gods of the nations, this word's also going to come up. But when God refers to the gods of the nations as Elohim, is he saying that's the Trinity? No. When he says, and this is the passage that would likely be brought up about this in Psalm 82, God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. How'd that get in our Bible? I thought we believed in one God. I thought we're monotheists. Were the Muslims right? Well, note in verse 2, how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Okay, so the psalm goes on to address these gods as doing their jobs poorly, exercising authority, judgment Mm. over people poorly. Now, it goes on in verse 3, defend the poor and the fatherless, do justice to the afflicted and the needy, deliver the poor and needy, free them from the hand of the wicked. They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk in darkness, all the foundations of the earth are unstable. It goes, oh, so these gods 
of the nations are poorly managing their little territories. They're not exercising their God powers properly, right? And thus poverty is existing, injustice is existing. Is this what it's talking about? No. Verse 6, I said, God speaking, you are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High, but you shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. You call yourselves gods, but your people, and you're going to die like them. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all nations. It's a reality check. And if you are drones of Michael Heiser and want to say, well, that, that's not what that means. Here's what Jesus thought it meant. In the Gospel of John chapter 10, Jesus was called out by the, I guess, the people who wanted to kill him, for lack of a better word. And he called him out on the carpet. In verse 32, he says, Many good works I have shown you from my Father. I perform miracles. For which of those works do you stone me? So being a little sarcastic with him. The Jews answered and said to him, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, because you being a man make yourself God. So they make a distinction. You're not God. You're a man. Now note how Jesus responds. Is it not written in your law, verse 34 of John chapter 10, I said, you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, if he called them gods because they can create out of nothing like God can? No. Because they existed eternally like God does? No. Because they're a trinity? No. No to whom the word of God came. So God's word came to human beings and they wrote it down and, that and they were called what? they were called Elohim. They were called representatives of the true and living God. Just like Moses when he was called a god to Pharaoh, that wasn't his apotheosis to use the Greek term. He didn't become a god. He was what? Speaking on behalf of God mm -hmm. and Aaron was speaking on behalf of him. Ergo Aaron was speaking for God and Moses. Yeah, so, <laughs> so and, and so Dave, you're totally right on the idea of Elohim being used as like a, a judge uh, kind of way. Right. You know, uh, also I think in the book of Job, Elohim's used um, um, for those that are, um, I want to say it might be at the very beginning of the book of Job. Oh, where it talks about the sons of God or something, maybe. Well, they aren't referenced uh, as that, uh, uh, the sons of the living God is, but it's referring to heavenly creatures, ones yeah, with authority. Yeah. That's it. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, ones with authority. That's right. So, yeah, absolutely. Those are my thoughts on Elohim on other places that it's being used. But Jesus, yeah, I love it. Jesus is so clear. I mean, on, and his whole point is like, hey, if you're bummed that I'm calling, I'm using the title, you know, son of God, you know, and, mm. and, and he's like, if you're bummed at that, then you got to be bummed at the scriptures because the scriptures are saying that the people who wrote the scriptures, God's saying that they are gods. He's using that generic word that's describing judges, um, this term Elohim. And then 
calls them out on the irony of that. Yes. When the word of God itself has come to you. Right, the God word of God. God himself. Yeah, God in human flesh. Because remember, this is yeah. the Gospel of John, the same Gospel of John that begins with, in the beginning was the word, the, the word, word was became, with God, yeah. the word was God. Then Jesus says, isn't it written in your <laughs> law, I said you are God's because the word of God came to you? That was literally happening in chapter 10. Yeah. The word of God came to them and yeah. they didn't get it. Right. So why are you accusing me of blasphemy when you guys don't even understand the word right in front of you? But people with an agenda, people with a bone to pick, people with perhaps some ulterior motives are going to want to take the <laughs> scriptures Just a little bit. and say, I can get power out of this. I can make vague predictions and make people think that I'm divine as opposed to I have power. Yeah. Because if we're just using that wishy-washy term back and forth, Bo has authority over me as the assistant pastor of Calvary Christian Fellowship. He's a god to me. But does that mean that, you know, he's got like the, the halo thing going and he can call down lightning on me if I, you know, get off a topic yes. at work or something? Yes, it does. Yeah, that's not <laughs> how that works. No? So oh. equivocation fallacy galore. When we're talking to false teachers, don't just assume that everything they say is going to be a lie, but test all things. First Thessalonians 5.21 says, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil, 19 through 21. But understand that point. All respect due to your mother, but they were lying if they made the vague generalization that in the process of trying to have a baby, you had a baby, this proves I'm a prophet. It's about as meaningful as someone saying, if I'm a false prophet, may God strike me with lightning. Ah, oh, no lightning, see, this proves I'm a prophet. God's not going to be entertained or moved by that. So when it comes to people who would speak contrary to Scripture, read things into Scripture, glorify themselves at the expense of Scripture, have nothing to do with them. The reality is there is one God in heaven. We are on earth. And if that is, in fact, true, then anyone who would claim God in that sense will answer to him for it as a false teacher, which is never something you want to be called. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Um, thank you for that question. Great question. I hope that helps you out. The question from Bethany, it's a, it's a very similar question, but I'll, I'll ask it just to acknowledge you, Bethany, and if you have any uh, other comments, guys, or we, you may feel like we've covered this, but um, uh, my knees were shaking and it rained and a storm came. This usually happens before it rains. What does scripture say about this and what really happened? Is there such thing as coincidence or do our thoughts and feelings have power? So a similar question to it. Any other comments you don't think we covered? You know, it's, it's common for people with arthritis or injuries to have irritation in light of uh, temperature drops and humidity mm. spikes and stuff. We have allergies because of temperatures going awry. The fact that our bodies react a certain way, it's like, you know, grandma's the better barometer than the weatherman. If her knees are aching, that <laughs> right. means it's going to rain. That's not prophecy. That's not even necessarily coincidence. That's just using bodily reactions as a metric to say the wind's blowing this way i you know got my finger wet and it got colder on one side that's not prophecy that's me knowing how to conclude how weather yeah, works and, and, and i do want to address something too and that is um, a lot of times we get our ideas of things like this prophecy prayer how to pray from church culture um, mm -hmm. we get it from a particular church that we're in that has a culture, every church has a culture within it. And, um, and we don't necessarily get it from the Bible. Um, and, and that might shock people, you know, that, that's right. like, what? Well, you know, like, well, I thought my pastor was using some Bible passages, yeah. you know? Um, 
And but this is why I really recommend a reading through the Bible, just going from book to book, because you're going to get to the worship book of the Bible, which is called the Psalms. Mm. And when you get to the Psalms, you're going to read those Psalms, and you're going to be shocked mm. that it isn't probably what your church culture has um, maybe taught you yeah. about prayer. There's so much negative confession <laughs> in the Psalms. Yeah. Mm. There's so much positive confession in the so- mm. Psalms. There is everything. There is a admission of your guilt and shame and sin and there is a incredible lifting up of hope uh, in what God has in store for us as his children. And so there's every gamut of yeah. things. And I think some people just latch a hold of a church culture mm. that says, oh, this is how prayer looks. Right. And, and it's uh, like, don't, com- don't negative confess. And, yeah. you know, this kind of idea where you just don't see that in the Bible. Yeah. You know, when Jesus taught us to pray, he didn't teach us to pray that way. Mm. He didn't say, by the way, don't, don't say this and right. don't say that. He said, pray this way. Our yeah. Father in heaven. He told us. He told us the way to pray, yeah. not the exact words to use. He wasn't saying, "Hey, just repeat this a billion times," but he was helping us understand what the direction of our intimacy with God. We mm-hmm. should be focused on God's holiness, right? Yeah. Hallowed be Thy name. Yep. We should be focusing on His kingdom. Mm-hmm. God, Your kingdom come. Your glory, you know, rule yep. over all things, right? Um, give us this day our daily bread. Lord, help us with the things that we need in yeah, our life. Provide, yeah. Forgive us our sins. Deal with our hearts, God. Yeah. Help us to forgive those who have harmed us, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, th- this kind of idea, that should be part of our prayer. That This is how we should be praying. Mm-hmm. And if someone's teaching you to pray in a way that is different from the Lord Jesus, <laughs> then I would really just ask that you take a break <laughs> from that thought yep. and just go, man, like maybe, just maybe, let's go to the rabbi. Let's, you know, Jesus said, don't call anybody rabbi or teacher other than me. Mm. You know, and his idea is that you guys are way too wrapped up in your special teachers, mm. you know, and your special prophets, yep. you know, and your special this. Yep. You need to listen to me. Yep. And yep. so. Yeah. We do tend to be very, I mean, I guess different personalities, but just very trusting. You know, I think even about doctors, you know, we tend to, well, they're a doctor, so Trust they the say science. this. This is, yeah. I mean, we can be, you're right, with churches, you can just be part of a culture, and that's what we do. And we just trust the pastor knows what he's doing. He's a pastor. So, yeah. Pastor, you know, but. Like, for instance, like, you might go to a church and you say, okay, let's pray. Well, let's lay hands. Right. Right. And yeah. it's like you, you're in a church culture that's laying on hands on everybody. Yeah. Where the Bible specifically says, what? Don't be quick to lay hands on people. Right. Right. Reason for that. Yeah. yeah. And share in their sin. Mm. Right. Meaning there's a lot of things that go on in people's lives. And, you know, it might be good before you get all into the religious fever of laying on of hands that you get to know somebody <laughs> and find out what's going on in their world. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, but we tend to be very quick 
right to get into a religious uh, ceremony. And, yes. and the reason why is it because it makes us feel very um, kind of good. We feel like we've accomplished something. And um, really, I think underneath it all, I know in me is a lot of, you know, you do that because there's a lot of insecurity or different things ruling right. the heart, you know? Yep. And, yep. you know, you have a great religious experience at a church, you walk away with that feeling like, oh man, God's on my side, God's with me, da da da. Yep. But it's really underneath, it's all this insecurity that you're trying to yep. deal with, you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I remember, was it you? Yeah, I just remember this the other day. I think it was you that it sounded like a both thing. You went to a church that was very, you know, like overly charismatic, yeah. you know, and it was just a big old worship party and people were on their chairs and, you know, yelling. Yeah. That was the whole service. Yep. And I think you said you just kind of joined in and just enjoyed, you know, and, and then the person who brought you there or yep. whatever came up and said, oh, what do you think? And you're like, man, that was great. You know, but I didn't learn anything. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I wasn't edified, <laughs> but it was really fun, you know, and they were like, oh, <laughs> you know, point B. And I mean, it was a great fun time, but that's right. But the, there wasn't really teaching of the word or there was, you know, yeah, was yeah. when I go to a purpose for church. Yeah. When, yeah. I, when you go to a basketball game, you, you kind of know what you're in for and, and you just got to understand that, right. you know, you're not there for spiritual edification. <laughs> you're there for an exciting sports event and not just, uh, building each other up in the knowledge of Christ. There is a place for worship and there's a place for not leaving immediately, but gathering with fellow believers yeah. and building each other up in love and good works. Yeah. It's all meant to be church. And when people emphasize one over the other, you miss out on it and end up, I guess, coming to conclusions with gaps in your knowledge. That's a cost among many. If you, you know, neglect worship, then you end up that whole deadpan intellectual where everyone's left behind because it seems like everyone in the pews is a PhD in theology and you're just trying to learn whether or not there's a God. And yeah. then you uh, forsake, you know, fellowshipping with other believers. You end up with a very informative and a very positive experience on Sunday, but nothing to do with it throughout the week. All need to be present. So going back to Bethany's question regarding uh, whether you're knees or uh, if someone has an amputation, your stumps ache. Yeah, there's absolutely room for coincidence, but there's also biological reasons for that to happen. Mm. It's not necessarily prophecy. Yeah, very good. Great. Thank you, Bethany, for that for that question. Uh, question from Fanny. Uh, my question is, uh, is there such a thing as witches and satanic abuse? I've heard stories and the mainstream media say that that's nonsense. She mentioned about as well, like serial killers and things like that. Are there witches and um, are these evil things satanic? Yeah, um, yes, in that they're satanic, but we clarify that means something. And in order for this to make sense, let's also clarify what witch and warlock both mean. Uh, in the most literal sense, it's referring to the left-handed path but it was a term used even in non-christian societies referring to people who exercised the role of an apothecary literally a pharmaceutical a pharmacist yes uh outside of the law outside of the approval of the government mm. or the king or whoever was in charge now we see that today we don't call them witches we call them drug dealers. Yeah, I was saying, that sounds like something <laughs> I was thinking in my mind. I'm like, I think that's a drug dealer, dude. <laughs> and uh, I, I did a YouTube video on this talking about the history of Wicca and you know all that yeah. other stuff, but the crux of the matter for the sake of time is just centered around this. That's why the quote-unquote superstitions around witches and those who practice the dark arts 
uh, came because there was a legitimate reason why they were having those hallucinations. You know, the boiling in the cauldrons and so forth when you got the fumes going on around the house and you're, you know, smoking some heavy ganja, you might join in on the hallucinations. Um, the association with brooms, a little inappropriate, but just to summarize, it was one of the ways they, instead of needles, were uh, applying those drugs into their system to get them high and to mm. also introduce them to other societies. There's a reason why these things, mostly in Gaelic culture, by the way, but in others as well, um, shied away from or avoided those people because it's literally the same thing going on today. It were, they were drug dealers. Now, when people associated spirituality and superstition into the mix, obviously they carry those things over culturally, but not necessarily biblically. So when Israel is instructed to execute the witch and the soothsayer, uh, when we talked earlier about the Witch of Endor, which you can get into in a moment, it's because these people were frauds, and they would introduce things into your lives and communities that would have very damaging consequences mm -hmm. and would make you very susceptible to false doctrine. It's because, again, uh, I'm fortunate to not be on a lot of uh, drugs in my time, but I know that people who do are very susceptible to just whatever's thrown their way, that it removes your inhibitions, your ability to discern, and yeah. it can also cause a lot of other problems down the road. So when we're talking about witches, people usually jump to, oh, the pointy hats, the uh, shooting lightning and mm -hmm. all that other Broomsticks. stuff. Well, that didn't mean what they thought it meant, but that being said, uh, made your legs numb and thought that you were floating. I'll let you fill out the rest. But the point being made is that there's a reason those things were associated, but not because, you know, they did a ritual in the forest where they copulated with the devil, and then that means that there are suddenly these forces of nature that can, you know, alter reality with their hexes and incantations. They were bad for society, and even the pagans knew it. But when we see them today, it's not always the case. They oftentimes do incorporate drugs and the abuse of sex in their rituals, but you read stuff like Gerald Gardner's The Book of Shadows. It was just a manual on child molestation at the end of the day. So the point being made is just that. Uh, understand the word, where it Yikes. came from. I'm just calling it as I see him. <laughs> understand where the word came from, how it was used, why it was avoided, and also that cultures will come up with stories to emphasize to their kids not to associate with these people, but that those things did in fact get carried away, which is need the gospel like anyone else. People who are, you know, stoners need the gospel like anyone else. Both are borderline interchangeable, but that's the point. Now, when it comes to biblical instances, it wasn't because, you know, they were using demonic power. The only power the enemy's really given is that of fraud, but that's also the point. Why was that forbidden in Israel? Because they were defrauding people, right? Mm -hmm. And the only example of a witch in action in the Bible didn't even think that her uh, seance was going to work. Yeah, and you even see that in, uh, I was thinking, uh, not just the witch of Endor of uh, 1 Samuel, what was it, 28? Um, but I was thinking of a couple things. One of them is... Um, when God rejected Saul mm -hmm. as king of Israel, he said um, that rebellion, uh, I, I, want, I can't find the passage, but it's like, uh, it, it's like, you know, rebellion is the spirit of, um, you know was what I'm talking about? He, yeah, when he refused to uh, execute the Amalekites the right. way they were ordered, and he says, rebellion is as to me of witchcraft, and mm -hmm. that was drawing to mind Saul did one or a couple things, but one thing for sure right, 
he outlawed witchcraft in Israel. Mm -hmm. But he says, you've rebelled against me. Yeah, you got the witchcraft thing right. You've dealt with them like I told you to, but you haven't done what I've told you to in a military sense. Yeah, and, and I think the point that I've always gotten is that that, that witchcraft idea is the idea of go and mediums is going to listen to someone other than God. God was to be the king of Israel, and they rejected God, and then God gave them kings, and they still, the kings would not listen to the prophets of God or the direction of God through the priesthood or anything. And when the they kings did own. follow God, the people didn't listen to him anyway. <laughs> I know, it was just unbelievable. So, but yeah, the idea of witch and medium is the idea of moving kind of in a different direction. No longer, you know, and so you see this theme in the book of Isaiah chapter 30, where God says, you've rejected my counsel mm. in Isaiah chapter 30, yep. right? You've, you've gone away from my counsel. You're, you're going to other sources, yeah. you know, and the nation's going to other sources. They're going to Egypt, blah, blah, blah. But the idea of, uh, you know, mediums, other people, you know, other things. Yeah. And and we all tend to sometimes go to other things, yeah. you know, right? It's kind of interesting when you just bring it up into your own life, mm -hmm. you know. Then I think of Ezekiel. It talks about the women in the book of Ezekiel. It might be 13 or 9 or somewhere in there. It's an odd number if I remember. But it talks about the uh, women putting charms on and, and taking mm -hmm. money from the people of Israel using this kind of, you know, what we would call, uh, you know, this kind of, special knowledge to, in a sense, uh, scam people. Yeah. yeah, that's the point. And yeah, yeah. yeah. so, um, you know, that's when God was like, man, guys, you know. What's the matter with you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you man, know guys, better. <laughs> Why are you going that direction? Well, yeah, but, uh, we're doing that. but uh, you know, hey, man, I've done a lot of drugs and, and you know, I've smoked dope. I've done ecstasy. Not recently. I've done oh. meth. Yeah, I've been <laughs> off of them for a lot of years. But, you know, I've, done, I've had my fair share, man. And you're so right. When you're on that stuff, you know, you, you're open to so many things. Mm -hmm. You just, your life is, you just literally, you know, you start listening to, you know, I think of the old hippie writers, Hunter S. Thompson and, you know, Jack Kerouac and, you know, the, the San Fran kind of hippie acid mm -hmm. people, you yeah. know, and you start just listening to all kinds of things, you yep. know, and, oh yeah, man, that's awesome. And hey man, I remember a time where I would worship my shoes. <laughs> like I, you know, um, and, uh, you know, you start doing the weirdest things, Yeah, you know? Right. Yeah. Just absolutely bizarre. Yeah. I know it sounds lame, um, but it's, it's, it's sadly true yep. in my life, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mediums yes. <laughs> going down <laughs> different roads. <laughs> absolutely. Well, yeah. thank, thanks for that question too. We should have time for another question here. Um, from Mark. And I, I love sometimes the way the questions are worded cause it, it, um, kind of indicates where they're coming <laughs> from a little bit. Um, Mark asks, why was the Trinity added to the Bible? Um, uh, first of all, same first of all, well, first of all, let me just <laughs> yes. say this because I know <laughs> this guy's ready to go. It. He's ready yeah. to go. But I'll just say, first of all, the Trinity wasn't added to the Bible. No. The word, but, tr but the word I mean, Trinity in, in is Mark's not in the Bible. In Mark's defense, uh, yeah. well, yeah, that's right. Maybe that's what he means, that the Trinity isn't, you won't find that word in the Bible. That's right. Um, so maybe that's what he means, why was it added? Yeah, omnipotence you know. isn't, there's a lot of words. Right. Yeah, so, Omnipotent. so Trinity, I mean, what? yeah, go. Because <laughs> the thir first three pages of the Bible have a very unique God, right? Right. The first three pages, God's outside of time, he's everywhere within time, and he's at a single point on the planet, all at the same time. 
which is describing its omnipresence. But when we're yeah. talking about this, um, the Trinity wasn't added. It was a conclusion that was come to, given the entirety of God's revelation of himself. We just came up with a word for it. So what needs to be true in order for there to be a Trinity? We have two minutes, so I'll be brief. First, that there's one and only one God. You can go to the Old and New Testament for this. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Uh, Isaiah 44, you can note there is no God before me. There will be none after me. I'm the first. I'm the last. On and on it goes. That's one premise for Trinitarianism to be true. The second is that there are things that only God can truthfully say about himself. People can say, for instance, let's go to Genesis 1, I created the universe. I said those words, but it wouldn't be true unless I was God, because in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and there's only one God. So if that right is given exclusively to that true and living God, that's how we'd identify him. He says he created the universe. Oh, God did that. That's God, right? Third is that there are three interesting identities, titles, personages even, that are attributed to be creator among the other things that are exclusively beyond uh, belonging to God. For example, in John chapter 1 and verse 3, Jesus is given credit as saying, all things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing that came into being that came into being. In Job 33, 4, we're told the Spirit of God is given credit for Job's creation, and that Ruach, the breath of the Almighty, gives me life. So these are some of the examples of how you form Trinitarian doctrine. And the fourth is that these independent consciousnesses, these personages, are able to act independently from one another without violating premise one, that there's one and only one God. So when we see, for instance, in Mark 1.9, the Father speaking from heaven as the Son is being baptized and the Spirit descends upon him as a dove, mm. there's still one God, yet these agents are all acting independently from one another as the true and living God. Mm. We can go to others like Isaiah 48.16, but the music has started. So <laughs> that's the point. It's a conclusion made given the entire witness of Scripture. We just gave a word for it. Yeah. Sean's spiritual gift is answering the last question and still leaving enough time to end on time. And that's why I love him. Many, one of the many reasons as the host. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Bo. Thank you, Sean. We'll be back again same time, same place tomorrow. Have a wonderful rest of your evening. You've been listening to A Reason for Hope. Thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey through God's Word, one question of the heart at a time. Until we meet again, we would love to connect with you. You can text or email your questions to questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can also find out more about our ministry at calvarychristianfellowship.com. And be sure to join us next time on A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope is an outreach ministry of Calvary Christian Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona.